Thanks for tuning in to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded live in sunny Scottsdale, Arizona. For more information, visit banner.church today. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning this morning. How's everyone doing? Man, it's good to praise the Lord together, right? I mean, there's something special that happens when the people of God get together and worship. I was saying first service, I'm really thankful for a Christian back here who's on our worship lead team, and he if you ever wonder what this microphone, he tells us what to do in our ears. Man, that's the best. <laughs> so, so thankful for Christian and his wife, Sydney. We're just really faithful servants. Man, awesome. We got some great people here. I love seeing that water slide. I don't know what the weight limit is, but we're about to find out. Uh, <laughs> more or less, it's a pass-fail kind of scenario for sure. Uh, But uh, glad to be here this morning. I want to read a scripture to you as we begin out of Psalm 68. It says this. It says, God sets the lonely in families. Let me read that again. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing, but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Apparently in Phoenix, we must be the rebellious. Uh, No, not this year. It's been good. But he sets the lowly in families. You know, we've been in a relationship series, and the first week we talked about why friendship matters. We've been talking specifically about friendship. Why does friendship matter? And this last week we talked about spiritual friendships, these deeper friendships, and we're going to talk about being rooted together in Christ. And so we're going to touch on some of that today a little bit. We're going to add to that idea, but we're specifically going to talk about this idea of family. And that might seem odd in a a friendship series to say, now we're going to talk about family, but I really believe that that family is a deeper form and a deeper level of friendship, of relationship. When we receive salvation through Christ, this is what's so amazing, is that we actually receive a deeper level of relationship by being brought into his family. And being friends is, is nice. But man, being brothers and sisters in Christ is even greater. It's a deeper level of relationship. Now, when I say that, I understand that some of you, family has not historically been representative of deep, flourishing, beautiful relationships. Uh, it's not necessarily an inspiring term or an inspiring metaphor when you think about being close, uh, being intimate, having good relationship with somebody you don't necessarily think of that. And I just want to encourage you this morning as we begin that God knows you and God knows your family, that nothing escapes him. And from the beginning, there have been messy families. Amen. There have been difficult families. And yet God has used this example. And oftentimes the biblical standard revealed through God is profoundly different than our human experience with broken people. And so how do we respond to that as we, as we learn? Like, we preach on fatherhood, but maybe you come from a situation where your relationship with your father was not good, or we talk on family like today, and you come from a situation where that might uh, bring more frustration to you as a metaphor than encouragement. Uh, how, how, do we, how do we approach that? And so I just want to encourage you today, if you're coming from a place as we talk about family where there's a sense of tension even living in your spirit right now, to just invite the Holy Spirit to heal your heart this morning. 
And, and, and I'm not saying like you're going to define for him that journey of healing or say, Holy Spirit, do this. Just say it. Maybe there's a moment in this sermon where you just need to say, God, would you, I just open my heart to your healing work. That, that I want to I see family how you see family, maybe not how the world has shown me. And so even if you don't approach family today with a positive mindset, my, my, my hope and my encouragement to you is look at what the Word of God says because God has given you a blessing of family. If you have a great family, then you're going to really dive into these metaphors and it's going to have a richness to you. If you don't have a great family, then I hope you would dive in the metaphors and discover a richness in the Word of God that is for you. Because no matter kind of how you're approaching it this morning, you have been a adopted into God's family. As a believer, it's important we allow that healing work to begin because every believer is adopted into God's family. Scripture says he sets the lonely in families, and the first family that he sets you in is his family, meaning with him in relationship with him. I want to read to you Romans chapter 8. The verses will be on the screen today. But Romans chapter 8, verse 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Amen. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, follow me on this, then we are heirs heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, in, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Now this is Paul writing to the Romans, and very distinctly in Roman law, as much as it is similar in law today here in this country, that when you adopt someone, they receive full legal rights as a son and daughter. Right? We adopted our son, he is fully and completely our, our son. And he has all the rights of our son and the inheritance. We're just talking about uh, a will. I don't know if you have kids. This is your notice that you should make a will. Uh, It's important. It's part of stewarding your family. And I was just talking to Dave about this the other day. I was like, I've not done, I've not updated mine. And so I need to because I have another kid who's part, who's an heir, who's part of our our family and be a part of that because it's important because he is fully our child as much as Lucy, our uh, birth daughter, is our child. He is our child child. And so scripture says, in the same way, as believers, you have been fully adopted into God's family. It's interesting, Israel, as the people of God, were said to be, have, have been adopted as God's children, which is not a common ancient Near East way of understanding your relationship to God. In the ancient Near East, most cultures saw themselves in relationship to their God as a slave relationship. That the gods are these kind of like wily, crazy, mean-spirited beings that would descend down and sleep with random women at harvest time. And you didn't want to make angry and all, all those kind of things. But the people of Israel were so unique in their relationship to Yahweh that though he was their Lord and their master, they were his children. And that's profoundly unique. Because to be children is a totally different relationship. 
And Deuteronomy 6 says that when they were being set up as children, God says it's by faith, right? It's by, sorry, it's by grace that they were adopted in as children. He says to them, and I love it, he says, it's not because you were the biggest tribe. It's not because you were the best people, which is kind of reassuring for us, right? It's like, not because you were amazing. You were like the coolest thing. And I was like, I got to get with these people. He's like, no, you were like the smallest people, but it's by grace I chose you, right? In the same way, you today, if you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you say, yes, I want the hope and healing that comes with relationship with God, then you have been adopted into God's family by grace through faith in Him. Galatians 3.26 says, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Why does that matter? Why does this adoption, why is it important? It's because our adoption actually reframes our relationship to God. It reframes our relationship to God in our eyes, right? God has always seen us perfectly, but in our eyes, it helps us, like, reframe our relationship to God. Because in adoption, we're not slaves. We're co-heirs with Christ. Have you thought about that recently? To be a co-heir? That is a mind-blowing thought. I have to say, I've thought about that a lot. Just like what that would mean for my life if I understood myself as a co-heir with Christ. Because that's kind of a struggle sometimes. I can think of myself as like God saved me. And maybe I, I can think of myself as like God redeemed me and, re and restored me. And that he is the Lord of all. And I'm like maybe getting there, right? You might be getting there like Jesus is my friend. And you're trying to figure that relationship out. Jesus calls you his friends. We talked about that. And that's two weeks ago and your brain is still trying to work through that. But this idea that you are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. That's a powerful thought. It means you have access to the Lord. It means you have authority in the kingdom. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. I'm giving it to you. Wow. He says, everything I've done, you're going to do. The miracles I've done, you can do to work through you and move through you. You have authority. Like, oh, my goodness. But we also have responsibility. We have a responsibility. That means it might have changed how, how we approach God. Because there's a difference between approaching God like a son or a daughter and then approaching God like, like a wretched criminal, right? There's a difference between how we approach God between like, God, I hope you see me, I hope you know me, and like how my kids approach me, right? My kids, and we don't even have a perfect relationship, but I think we have a good one, right? My kids run to me. They, they come into my arms. We have a relationship, right? They, they feel like they can approach me. And I, and I say this because we're going to talk about interpersonal relationships, these relationships, you and I, right? You and the person sitting next to you. But the foundation of those relationships is this relationship. Are you with me? One of you is with me. The rest of you are confused. So I'll say it again. Well, I don't want us to miss it. I told you we we're going to say this every week. I don't want us to miss it. You're like, yes. Uh, no, the foundation of these is this relationship. Why? Why does that matter? It's important 
It's important because it gives us an understanding and a relationship that we are all brothers and sisters in the kingdom of God. And I got to say, when we start to see God as, as, as the perfect father, even if earthly we don't have the example, but we begin to read and see God as the perfect father, and it heals that fatherly understanding, and we begin to see Jesus as our friend, not just master, but our friend, and we begin to see ourselves as sons and daughters, it changes how we approach God. Man, that changes how we pray. That changes how we worship. It changes how we interact with others. Because our understanding is more secure. It changes how we engage with his kingdom work. It changes how we engage as the church. <laughs> Thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> Good? All right. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I love that. This is the church. We are believers who are in the same family together. We're being grown into the temple. I think that's, that, that's a powerful thought that we, right, right here in this room, if you're a believer, we are brothers and sisters in a spiritual family. Now, some of you don't like your brother and sister, <laughs> so that might be a tough metaphor for you, but just put that aside in your mind for a second and see, like, the biblical model, like I said, that, the, of this brotherhood and this sisterhood. Because if we began to see ourselves in that relationship, I think it would be very different, right? Yeah. Our interactions would be very different. Our engagement would be very different with one another. And that's what we are. We are brothers and sisters. And Jesus actually calls us that. He calls us his brothers and sisters. In Hebrews 2.11, it says, Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Did you hear that today? Jesus is not ashamed to call you brother and sister. If you feel inadequate or unworthy, just hear and know that Jesus calls you his brother, that Jesus calls you his sister. And so if I'm Jesus' brother and you're Jesus' brother, what does that make us? Brothers, right? Part of the same family. If I'm Jesus' brother and you're Jesus' sister, what does that make us? Spiritual siblings, right? There's a unity in the spirit there. There's a unity in what God is doing. But I think brothers and sisters is often relegated to cliche. Right? We say, oh, brother Paul. Oh, sister Helen. Right? But do we actually mean, I mean, are they really like our brother? Right? It's just like a proper title. It's like, are they, actually, are they actually our brother? Because I got to say, I know we're in this weird world where people think words are violence and all this like crazy stuff. I, <laughs> that's chaotic to me. But I will say that words have weight. If you don't understand that, we can talk about that later. That words have weight. They have meaning. So when you say something, it does mean something. Well, that's not what I meant. Well, the word still has meaning, right? 
So if I called you randomly, woman in this church, if I, as a married man, started calling you, like, wifey, that would be highly inappropriate. They'll go, that's not what I mean. It's like, well, that's what the word means, <laughs> right? There's, there's, like, implications with that word that would be very inappropriate, right? There'd be expectations. So the woman I do call my wife, who's beautiful and amazing, we have a certain relationship and intimacy and understanding, and it would be expected to have that based on the fact that she's my wife. So if I call somebody my brother, there is or ought to be an expectation of a level of intimacy and relationship to brotherhood and sisterhood. There's a level in which we engage. Words have weight. And I think that's important because being brothers and sisters in Christ is a deeper form of relationship. Church family is a deeper form of relationship. Well, why is it a deeper form of relationship? Because it's built on covenant. Let me explain that. It's built on, it's built on covenant. Now, a lot of friendships are based off interests. They might be based off time, maybe uh, work, school, a location. And you might have spiritual friendships. We talked about that last week. Like spiritual friendships, they're based on you guys, uh, us being united in Christ and growing together towards Christ. Right? I, I have spiritual friendships with things, people that I have nothing in common with, right? Except for the most important thing, which is Jesus Christ. Right, and we can grow. That's why you can walk into a small group of all different kind of people and go deeper and connect deeper. Is because we have the one thing that really matters, which is that we know the love of God and the key to eternity. And that's important. But there's a deeper level of those spiritual friendships, and it won't be with everyone, and it won't be with every brother and sister in church, right? There's principles that unite us together as brothers and sisters, mercy, grace, goodness of God, but there are deeper relationships, and those deeper relationships are built on covenant. Being brothers and sisters in Christ, this relationship that we have is a covenant relationship. Proverbs 18.24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, when I say covenant uh, relationship, what, what's like the first relationship you might think of? Marriage. marriage, right? Think of a married relationship. It's interesting, in Arizona, when you go get your marriage license, you can get one or two things. You can get a standard marriage license, and then you can get a covenant marriage license. Anyone got married recently? And that, that's always a unique thing where you go and you get this license. And they ask you, do you want a covenant marriage license? And I have people from the church call me and say, am I supposed to get the covenant one? Because I've heard enough marriage sermons that say it's a covenant relationship. And now I'm stressed. I don't know what to choose. And there's a line, right? And, and I say, no, just get the regular one. Because get, signing a piece of paper does not a covenant relationship make. Right Now, that is for legal purposes because we come from a state with a very specific religious history. There you go. So, but the, the covenant relationship is a commitment with God and another person. That's why it's a covenant. A covenant is when you make a commitment before and with God. So you can get, anybody can get married, right? You can say, stand up in front of your friends and say, like, we're going to be married. But in a, in a biblical standard, marriage is when two people make a covenant before God. That has a little more weight to it. Words have weight. Covenants have weight. 
And it's a commitment before God that says we're united on the strength, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And through him, we will go through thick and thin. We'll rain or shine, right? We'll face anything. We'll go through it. That's what it says until death. It's not until one of us kills the other one of us, right? It's, it's until we die. Like we're so committed that, that death is going to come take us and we're going to go to eternity and then figure it out there. But friendship is actually... A covenant, or sorry, brotherhood and sisterhood is actually a covenant relationship. Now, there's different levels of friendship and expressions of physical intimacy. Please hear that, right? He's like, well, we got a covenant relationship, baby. He's like, no, we don't. You're weird. (laughs) 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 We're brothers and sisters. Like, you're just making it weirder. (laughs) But there's a level of connection because in brotherhood and sisterhood, a spiritual family, we make a commitment before God saying, I'll be for this person. Not by my strength, but by God's. I'll give grace to this person. Not my grace, but God's. I'll have mercy for this person because of God, right? I will treat this and forgive this person. Why? Because God, Christ, forgave me, right? It's a covenant before God. That makes it incredibly secure because rain or shine, thick or thin, we're committing before God. It gets difficult, I'll be there. I'm way off base, you can correct me. Is there tension between us? We'll fight for the relationship, just like we should fight for our marriage. If you're not fighting for your marriage, you're going to be fighting in your marriage. And We need these deep friendships, church. We need these deep friendships because they're secure. How many of you know the more that you get to know somebody, the more chances for strife there will be, Right? Right, like the more we hang out, the more things you're going to find annoying about me. Because <laughs> I'm a human being, and I have bad days. And, you know, maybe I said something that upset you, right? And if we really go through stuff, we're going to have different opinions. We're going to take on things differently, even though we love each other fiercely. But we're going to have different opinions. And you might agree in the moment, go home and be like, man, I didn't really like that. And then be frustrated, right? There's things in relationship that happen, right? If you've been around a human being for a, a period of time, you know the more you know about them, the more things you discover that you love and to fight about, right? <laughs> the more you're like, oh, we are, we do not agree on that. Kind of thought we were going to, but we don't, and that's okay, I love you, right? But this is why in a consumer relationship, this, see, this is hard for us because we're Western, Western society, high focus on individualism, High focus on the false ideology that the most attainable position as man is to, to be alone, to be, to be self-focused, to be us. We're all about us. We're all about what we do. We're all about what we can consume to go to the next level and level up and blah, 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 all these things. And that's great to be driven, but there's something we lack in that it gets consumerism into our relationships. You know what makes accountability hard? Consumerism, right? Because then you come to church where you have to be held accountable. And if you're not held accountable anywhere else, you just go to another church. It's difficult in our relationships if they're consumer. If I'm not getting what I want, I'm out, right? Some of you have had those relationships. Some of you, the hurt that you're wrestling through even right now is because of consumer relationships. They might have masked themselves as covenant relationships because someone lied, but they were consumer relationships. But covenant relationships say this is built on God's grace. This is built on God's mercy, on his goodness, so we'll fight for this relationship. You know, spiritual brothers, we stand back to back in the trench, not in opposite trenches shooting at each other. We already have an enemy. We don't need to be it for each other. We need to stand back to back and support each other. 
Church, here's the reality. We will either fight for our family or with our family. Covenant relationships take work, but the result, oh my goodness, is deep, reliable friendships. Man, yeah, I, I know it takes work, but the fruit, the harvest is so good. The harvest is so good. Can I tell you, it's so worth it. Because I don't know about you, but I need those friendships. Don't you? It's worth it. Being brothers and sisters in Christ is so special because it's a blessing and a responsibility. It's a blessing and a responsibility. Siblings fight. Um, I'm an only child, so I didn't have siblings, so I had to make friends and then fight with them the old-fashioned way. Um, <laughs> but uh, I didn't have siblings, so, you know, whatever. But, uh, but my kids fight all the time. Like, if you're one of those parents, like, I just can't picture that we're born with sin. I mean, look at my sweet children. I'll loan you my children. And you can see <laughs> that we're born evil, right? You can just watch them go to the, just find a way to be so adorable and so deadly simultaneously. They're so special and so, yeah, right? Like, what has happened in your life that you feel like you need to fight? You've never paid a bill in your life. What are you so, what are you so angry with each other about? You have so many toys. I got to wade through your room to get to your bed. There are, the only time we fight is when I tell you to pick up the toys. You have too many, and you're still fighting over the same toys, right? Oh, my goodness. I love my kids, but anyways. <laughs> but the reality is this. Biblical siblings, we fight all the time, right? right? I was like, I blessed you so much. Why are you fighting? I didn't like that song that Gillian did on the worship team. It made me angry. It's like, what? Right? They didn't text me back. Okay. I mean, it's like real stuff. Sometimes it's petty. Sometimes it's real. Sometimes you really hurt somebody, right? Like you said something. Anyone done this? I do this. You say something, and you're like, yeah, that was funny. And then later, someone's like, No. Like, ah, oh, we were not in the same mood when we had that conversation. <laughs> you were being serious, and I was trying to get somewhere, and I blew you off, and that was, you know, my bad. I, I wasn't trying to do that, right? Or maybe, like, I was being real serious, and you were being funny, and I, I, didn't, I didn't like that. Or maybe uh, we came up, and we were talking, and you feel like I've not reached out to you enough, but, like, I don't even have your number. Who are you, right? There's weird things that happen in relationships. But siblings fight. Man, the first siblings fought. You ever think of that? Genesis. First siblings literally kill each other. That didn't set the tone for the earth. I don't know what will, right? Right? If that doesn't set the tone for creation, if you think your siblings are bad, I mean, Cain literally beats Abel to death with a rock. And God comes to Cain and says, hey, where is he? Right? Genesis 4, 9. The Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Look at this. I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? That is the most sibling thing you could possibly say. If your, sibling, if your children have sassed you in a way, just know Cain sassed God straight to his face, right? He said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Can you hear that tone? Not my responsibility. Man, let me just tell you, you can always hear pride. I don't know if you can. I, I can hear it. Cain had an issue with God, didn't tell him. Had an issue with Abel, didn't tell him. He lashed out. Then God asks him, doesn't tell him. You can always hear pride because it's telling everybody else 
the problem it has with somebody else except for the subject of the problem, you can always hear pride. He says, am I my brother's keeper? Church, are we our brother's keeper? Yes, we are. I am my brother's keeper. I am my brother's keeper. Not only that, I'm not forced to be. I'm blessed to be. I'm blessed to be. I'm blessed that God has, has put people in my life. I'm blessed to be my brother's keeper. It is a blessing as much as it is a responsibility to be cared for and to care for others. Hear me today. Church family is a blessing. It's a blessing. This, uh, this was a, a hard, hard week for me and my family. Um, my wife is currently in Seattle today. She's flying back today because on Monday, uh, we got a call that my sister-in-law had suddenly and, and, and tragically passed away. Um, she wasn't ill. She wasn't, you know, chronically sick. She wasn't feeling good and died on the way to the hospital. And uh, so I got, got my wife and, you know, got the kids to school, came back, you know, got her stuff together, got her on a plane up to uh, Seattle. And she's she's been up there loving on her family and helping take care of things and cleaning up the house and, you know, doing all the stuff you got to do, right, when, uh, when someone dies. And I got to say, it was a really, really hard week for my family. I, you know, I've probably cried more this week than I have in a long, long, long time. Uh, I've been angry and frustrated and, and, and discouraged. But I got to say, I have been profoundly encouraged uh, by the support of our church family, because literally like day one, as people started hearing about it, I was just getting calls and text messages and things over and over and people bringing us food and sending us money to go get food and uh, coming in and watching my kids and, and doing all these things to the point where people were like offering. And I was like, I, I don't even, I don't know the schedule. I'll just like keep you posted, but just the prayer for our family. And, and so I really do want to say for... <clears throat> For my uh, family to your family, I just want to say thank you. You know, I, like I said, I, I don't have siblings. My mom or dad, are, my mom and dad are here. Uh, but my family's chosen family. They're you guys. I left everyone I knew to come here and to plant a church. So I, this is it for me. This is my family. And uh, you know, Dave, Dave Barry, our men's director, and Gillian, our uh, worship pastor are literally my family, right? Like I'm their kid's uncle and their, you know, vice versa. And uh, we have a special family. Dave's my brother. And I, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm very thankful. I don't really know where we would be as a family uh, without your guys' support. And uh, I got to say, it's encouraging in this church to see testimony after testimony, not even in my own life, but in other people's lives of how when things are difficult, we rally together, and you come alongside people, and even when things are good, when someone has a baby or something, just celebrating them, and I gotta say, we need each other, and we don't even have to wait for there to be tragedy to rally around each other, but I gotta say, I want that for you. If you're in this church, and you're hearing that, and you're also suffering, I want that for you. 
because church family is a blessing, and if you don't have that blessing, then I want to help you really step into those relationships and that blessing. I want I want to help steward that with you. It can be a hard thing to know how, how to really walk in if you don't have a lot of health in that area. So I just I want you to hear me say that I love you and I care for you. I'm so thankful for you. Um, and if you don't have that, I just want to say, man, there's so many people in this church who are so gifted to love on people. My brother Scott texted me. I could just like go through the room. All these people that have been messaging me, and uh, I could have like not even, I could have not watched my kids one day this week, <laughs> not eat, not made a meal. You know, I wanted to be there for them because you got to explain things that are difficult things for your kids, right? Uh, but I just want to say, man, I, I want that for your life. If you're here today, I want you to have that. In fact, we have a care team that um, Stephen and Scott are, are starting up. If you're somebody that, man, you want to be there for people in that time, then would you come talk to us after the service? And if you're one of those people that just needs someone to be there for you right now, come talk to me after the service. I want to be there for you because I think it's so important. It is a blessing to be a church family. I don't know how people make it. I don't know how they raise kids without it. I don't know how they survive week to week without it. I can't. I don't know how other people are just stronger than me. I don't know, but I can't. I need a church family. It's a blessing to be a church family, and I think it's important. But with that, hear me today, church family is a responsibility. Remember the old potlucks we used to have, right? Everyone would bring something, just eat right? Or just eat together. You never know what was going to show up. You have to like get some really key leaders on proteins. So everyone, right? You ever been to a young adult's uh, potluck? It's 90% chips, right? If you ever been to a young adult's, go sometime to a young adult's potluck. It's like if no one tells everyone what to bring, it's 90% chips and dip. And it's like the dip that was at the last young adult's potluck. <laughs> But I got to say, relationally, if all you feel like you have to offer to the family is chips, we still want it, yeah. right? We still want it. Hungry people eat. We still want it. We still want it. You're growing. We're growing. You're going to bring some good chicken next time. But just imagine if you approach that and say, man, like, why does the church make me cook? Why, why, uh, church, why do you make me, why do you cook? Like, why are you guilting me into cook? And then you came to the potluck and said, why is there no food here? That's what we do with friendships. Like, oh, pastor, why are you telling me this relationship serious? I'm trying to power through these four weeks so I can go back to doing my own thing, right? And then we're like, man, I don't really have any friends. We meet for coffee. You're like, I don't have any friends. I don't have any relationships. Well, yeah, because we got to start cooking, right? And some things take time. Friendship's like bread. If you want it today, you better have been preparing it yesterday, right? I love, I love making fresh bread, right? And I never have fresh bread. Why? Because it has, the yeast has to rise, which means I needed to make bread last night when I was busy so I could have bread today. So I never have fresh bread. Why? Because I never do it the night before when I'm busy, right? It's the same thing sometimes with friendships, man. We have to be intentional about when things are, are, are not the right moment to begin to build that so that we can come and everybody eats in that space. There's a responsibility because what you have matters. Like, I don't know, man, I just, I don't have like, I have like a one Texas Roadhouse roll. That's my offering at the table of friendship. It still matters. Yeah. It matters. And you might not recognize all you have to offer yet, but at the table you begin to, you know what, I, I, I can make that. 
I can make that. I can cook that. I can do that. Or you find somebody, follow me, who you're like, man, I want to cook that. Can you show me? Right? You're the introvert that could go deep in a relationship. So you go to the extrovert who's really bold and loud but doesn't have deep relationships. And you guys meet and you become like a tag team, right? You're like the Ninja Turtles of friendship. If you grew up in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Imagine if every Ninja Turtle was the same Ninja Turtles. Nothing would get done, right? If everyone's a Raphael, it's only fighting. If everyone's a Leonardo, right, it's, just, it's all just nerdery, right? You need them all. You need everyone. You need everyone to make what they bring. You have something special that God has gifted to you that you have walked through, you have experiences, you have talents, you have giftings, and they are important. And so in many ways, we have a responsibility to bring the ways God has gifted us to the table. Bring that into our small group. Bring that into relationships. Bring that into church. Bring that into relationships with others. I love Romans 12.10. Everyone still with me today? Okay, Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted to one another in love, honoring one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Man, Paul is so good, guys. He's so good at condensing so much into just like this small space. I love that description of being brothers and sisters in Christ. As you read that, you're like, man, that sounds awesome, right? Look at that description. He says, be devoted to one another in love. There's something about devotion, Right? That's commitment. If I tell you I'm a really devoted pastor, I'll see you in three months. That doesn't line up, right? I'm a really devoted friend. You'll never hear from me, right? Something's not lining up, right? There's a commitment there. There's, there's, it says be devoted to one another in love. Don't just be like, oh, yeah, I love them. Be devoted to one another. Honor others above yourself. Look at that. Honor one another above yourselves. Consider them first. Lift them up. One of the best ways is to think about, maybe today, how do I receive honor and start doing that for others? Man, you know what? I really feel honored when someone values my opinion. What are the opinions of the people around you? I don't know. Find out. Ask them, right? And just begin that way. It might not be the way they receive honor, but you're not going to go wrong trying to honor your friends. Be like, wow, they're really honoring, but they just, they honor me too much. I just think it's over, right? (laughs) All right, I think it spurs on honor. Next, he says, never be lacking in zeal. What does that mean? It means don't be lazy. Actually care. Yeah. Man, this has been a crazy past couple years for so many people. So I'm going to give you like a hard stop and begin. If you stopped caring, this is a great moment to say, Lord, help me to care again. Yeah, okay. Right? Sometimes we're so trapped in what has been that we feel like, almost like we're not allowed to stop and say, okay, that's what has been. God, help me to be what you call me to be. Start caring. I hear way too much, oh, yeah, I just, I just, I don't like people. Like, why? You're people. That, you know what that tells me? You just don't like yourself. And they go, yes, I don't like myself. It's like, okay, well, that's just insecurity. Yeah, I get it. People are messy, but like, you're messy. (laughs) And I understand that, but These relationships are amazing that we get to have. And caring for others is incredible, but we can't be apathetic in it. We have to be fervent. And that's why it says fervently serve the Lord. That word fervently is so important. In Romans 3.15, Paul talks about how being lukewarm is the worst offense, right? He says, right, be hot or cold, right? 
The reality is if nothing burns, there is no light. Without passion, there's no bright, shining light. Oh, I'm just waiting for people to see Jesus in me. Then why do you look miserable? Every time you talk to your friend, you're just complaining. They're not seeing the light. They're not burning with you, right? There's a level of sharing a load, but there's also a level of like, man, I'm going to choose to find a spark of hope. That's why, friends, it says, be joyful in hope. The next part of the verse, like he says, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Church is a place of joy because of the hope of Jesus, not because we ignore the struggles of mankind. Right? It's, it's in the midst of our struggles there's joy. Right? Can I just tell you, when you're mourning a death, it is not the most comfortable thing to come sing a song there's joy in the house of the Lord, right? Like, I'm so thankful that our worship team is really patient because Thursday, it was so difficult for me to be literally weeping on my way here, get here and sing, there's, there's joy in the house of the Lord. So why do it? Is it just being fake then? Is that just what church is? It's being fake? It's, no, it's because there's not joy in my heart in that moment, but I have confidence that in the, in the house of the Lord, the gathering of believers, I can look at you, my brothers and sisters, who I know are also going through stuff, and we can say, man, there's hope in Jesus Christ together. That even in my situation, there's still hope. You know why we lift our hands and shout and worship, even when we don't just feel like it? It's because we, wanna, we care enough about the person next to us as well that we want to build faith in the room. Worship is not just about us and God. It's about us and God. As the church, we're worshiping and lifting out. Man, there might be a day you come in and you're like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But man, it's important to say, okay, God, I'm going to praise you because you're good. And in lifting that up, we build the faith. Today, as you worship, you help build my faith today. It matters that you're here for worship. It matters that you're here to praise. It matters that you don't skip that song. And it matters to me, as someone who's suffering, that I'm not just up here alone saying there's joy in the house of the Lord, but that you're with me. If you love me, you'll be with me. If I love you, I'll be with you. The evidence is in the fruit. Oh, I love you. I'm with you. Then, then let's praise together. Because we need each other. Right. If you're like me and things kind of suck right now, then you need someone to praise with you. It's not enough to just get like a nice card from the welcome team. <laughs> That's great. I love that. But we need the spirit to move. We need hope. It says be patient in affliction. Whew. Man, some sermons you're right. You're right to yourself. Be patient in affliction. When things are hard, man, we need friends who don't freak out right? You have people that you call when difficulty happens and people you don't call based on how they're going to respond to what's happening in your life, right? You have someone who's going to hear, and again, it's not to put you down, but you, when you're in trouble, you call the lighthouse, not the roller coaster, right? You call somebody who is getting hit by the waves, but is still shining the light. Doesn't mean they're not getting worn down. Doesn't mean they don't go out there and put that new coat of mortar up when it calms down but they are they are the light they are the lighthouse of people right why because you you don't you can't deal with the roller coaster things are already roller coastering for you be that lighthouse church we gain a lot of friendship by just being a secure safe place for people to come and share their struggles not to say oh yeah i'm also we just be like yes let's pray together let's believe let me speak a word to you. See, friends will say, man, that's, you know, consumer friendship is like, ah, that's too much for me. 
Brothers and sisters say, I'm in it with you. I literally, we can even stop this, but we're still brothers and sisters, so let's, let's dive into it. Let's be a part of it together. Amen, baby. <laughs> he says, share with the brothers and sisters in need. Man, it's fun to bless each other. That's why we have a care team. It's fun to bless each other. Some of you, God has gifted you in, in, in just being a good friend because you might not ever be on this platform, but man, as a friend, you are just aces because you love to fill needs. And I just want to honor you. If you're one of those people, man, I don't know if Jake Craig's here. He was serving at first. He was running around at first. Jake's right here. I mentioned Jake in the first service. I'm going to mention him again because he's amazing. Not only is a man of God, does he, con he constantly leads his family to church, and he lives like an hour and a half away, but leads his family, his whole family, two young kids, gets them up, drives this distance. Is that like everything is involved in a small group? Amazing. But very personally for me, he, he's been helping my aunt. And I just have to say, you know, like when you know your family, you know how their experiences and maybe things that have happened in their life. And it means so much to me. It, like, it's not like you and my aunt have, you didn't like go to school together and you don't have like the same interests, right? You, you have a task that's kind of in common, but you're not doing it for that. You're doing it because you're her brother in Christ. And that's very personal to me because that's my literal family. But it's also personal for me because it's blowing her mind for the kingdom. And I got to say, that's being a brother in Christ right there, right there. Jake exhibits that all the time, but I, I just love that. That's being a brother in Christ to, to fill that need. Hey, I can do that, right? I'm not going to be like without boundaries or going to take advantage, but, but I can do that. And finally, he says, practice hospitality. Invite people into your place. Invite people into your Maybe it's your house. Maybe it's a coffee shop. Invite people into your place. I say all these things to encourage us to begin thinking about relationships because that sounds so exemplary. How good does it sound, right, to have relationships that are devoted, that are honoring, that are intentional, that are servant-hearted, that are joyful, that are patient, that are consistent in hard times, that pray for each other, that help us with needs, that are hospitable. Who wants that? I want that, right? That sounds amazing. If you're like, hey, just so you know, I'm going to be your friend. Here's everything that's going to happen. I'd be like, yes, right? That sounds awesome. That sounds incredible. But I think that's important is in order for that to happen, we have to begin to see each other with the seriousness of being brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to see it like God sees it. There are some things we need to take seriously, church, and I think this is one of them. I think this is one of those things that we need to take seriously in a good way because we're blessed to be family and we have a responsibility to love, celebrate, and meet the needs of that family. Ask yourself this question just in this moment, in your mind, in your heart. How would it change my relationship with others if I began to see people, even in this room, as my brother and my sister and not just strangers who happen to pick the same church? But I said, no, we are brothers and sisters that God has brought together. How might that change your interaction? How might that change your comfort in relationship? If you said, man, that's our basis. Church, that's our basis. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And those deep relationships, the deepest spiritual relationships, come out of that church family. They're birthed out of that. And unfortunately, we, we tend to give the least attention to that, right? 
We have like very, a lot of surface level relationships. We have surface level friends. We have friends that, you know, we, we engage with casually or might, might do things with every once in a while. And we, we love our brothers and sisters in Christ because we're all family and we love that. But we never go to that next step where we have deep spiritual relationships within our family, within our spiritual relationship. And so I want to encourage you, those deep spiritual relationships we've been talking are found and founded in being brothers and sisters in Christ. Because we need that covenant to secure us and to root us and ground us. But I want to give you a little caveat real quick here at the end. And this might sound odd, but you won't be deep spiritual friends with everyone in your family. Right? In your own family, you have varying levels of intimacy with different people, right? Like there's, you might have brothers or sisters and you're not the same level of friends with all of them. Right? You, you have different levels. And it's, that's okay is what I want to say here. That's okay. It's okay to have different levels of relationship. You're going to have the friends that are maybe that casual friendship. You see them here. Maybe you pray with them at the altar. It's like, yeah, that's awesome. But you don't necessarily have anything in common. You're not necessarily relationally similar. And so you might go your own way. And that's totally okay. There's blessings in that relationship. And then you might have the kind of friends that, man, you're, you're doing small group together. You might do dinner. You might, might hang out together and have fun. And those are good relationships too, right? You're not necessarily going to go into the deepest, darkest part of your history or your struggles. But you can, you can feel renewed and encouraged by each other. And then there are the deepest form of relationships, the deepest version of spiritual relationships in this brotherhood and sisterhood where you are going to spend a great deal of time together. You are going to really talk deeply in, in the subject matter. You're going to share your struggles. You're going to pray and intercede together. You're going to walk through trials together. And the reality is you're going to have different kinds of friendship, but you're not necessarily going to have that deep, 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 deep level of friendship with everyone. I, and I, can we just collectively just like sigh of relief on that? That like, you, this is not a call from the church to go out and become deep spiritual friends with 30 people. I don't think that's scalable. So I'm giving you some freedom here as we're teaching. I love this quote. So I, last week I read you from Dr. Suin Tan, who shared about spiritual friendship. And I want to share the second half of this quote. It says, a friendship that is rooted in Christ for the purpose of helping followers of Jesus grow in Christ. Spiritual friendship. We cannot connect with all of our friends with the same degree of intensity, but there will be those two or three people in whose lives we're called to be vitally active and extravagantly loving. As believers, I think it's our job to recognize our limitations and to recognize our justifications, how we will justify, well, I can't be friends with everyone, you know, so I guess I won't do it. To recognize our limits, limitations and our ability to justify things. And to ask Jesus, as we should in every part of our life, give me discernment for who I can develop deeper relationships with. Because to be honest, these deeper relationships might not look the way you think. There might be somebody who's kind of on the fringe right now that God is going to call your eyes to, and you're going to develop a very deep relationship, even though experientially you might be very different. Even though in your past you might be very different. Uh, some of my closest closest deep relationships are with people who are literally twice as old as me. They say, what do you have in common? Like the most important thing, Jesus Christ, and a long history of mutual suffering, right? And walking through stuff together. And I think it's important to remember, Jesus had degrees of intimacy, right? Jesus sent out the 72, right? Sent out 72. Then he had the 12, the disciples, and then he had the three, 
What's amazing about Jesus is the farther he got in his ministry towards the end, the, the more he spent time with those three. With those three, I was, I was teaching a, uh, a course for the Arizona School of Ministry on evangelism, and it ended up being a whole course on discipleship because in order to disciple or in order to evangelize, you have to disciple because that's what evangelism is. <laughs> evangelism is, it's telling people about Jesus. Uh, and it, we talk a lot about how as Jesus goes deeper into his ministry, those three relationships become so pivotal. And I just have to say, if three works for Jesus, I think it could work for us. Now, he has 12 good friends. He's got his posse, right? 12 friends. That, those are good friends. They're willing to die for him. So for us, that might be like a really deep relationship, right? But he had the three, those close friends. When he goes up, right, when Elijah, like through the clouds, he goes up and has this profound moment. He's there with the three. They come down. They're like, hey, the other nine can't cast out demons. He's like, okay, here we go. But he's got the three. It's not that you don't have friends on other levels because there's blessings on those levels. But hear me, we need to find those three. We need to find those three. My, uh, my brother Dave is here. And honestly, truly my brother. I, I really think of that that way. I mean, literally borrowed my truck yesterday, brought it back with a full tank of gas. I mean, with gas prices, if that's not brotherhood, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what is. What's brotherhood? It, honestly, amazing. Uh, but people ask us, like, hey, how do I have that kind of relationship? Because Dave and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's funny thinking about even how we became friends. Cause we started hanging out because we both knew the same guy, and then that guy was a flake. And then we became friends. So if you're flaky, you're not getting friends. <laughs> but the people you flaked out on probably are becoming friends. So, hey, you're a matchmaker. Just, you know, <laughs> without scruples. I don't know what it is, right? <laughs> you're not reliable, but you can get people together. Uh, but, yeah, you know, so we started hanging out. And people ask us, you know, we have a relationship. I mean, Dave and Gil, they, they moved down here. You know, they moved down here without family to be family, to be fam our family. And uh, it, it, it's honestly amazing. People ask me, okay, how do we get that kind of relationship? And I would say reject consumerism and embrace covenant. If you want deep spiritual relationships, reject consumerism and embrace covenant. Hear me again. If you want... Deep relationships reject consumerism and embrace covenant. Go through hell together and come out laughing. Make each other mad and don't let the other person quit. Cast vision together for what the future could look like and help each other grow towards that future, both in encouragement and in correction. Push each other towards a better sense of community, of uniting together then you will begin to see relationships. And I know it takes time, and I know you might have tried it, and it's failed. Trust me, I've tried it, and it's failed. I understand. But can I tell you, please don't give up. You say, Pastor, I've tried. I've tried to make those relationships, and it's failed. I just want to encourage you, don't give up. The hard part about being in the valley is that many of us are not from the valley. And so what happens is that many people grow up with a very specific friend group that they've had almost their whole life. So they think that they're good at making friends, but the reality is they're just good at retaining friends. So what happens when you move somewhere and you used to have deep spiritual relationships and now you don't know anyone? 
Well, that's really going to test if you're good at making friends or not. And I have to say, collectively as a culture, we're not good at making friends. We're just good at retaining them as long as possible. And so the older you get, right, there's studies on this, the less friends you have, which is why I sit down with my father-in-law, and he says, yeah, I just struggle to have friends. Lives in the same place forever. Struggle. Because it's about retention. But the reality is, in the body of Christ, I want to encourage you, we can develop deep relationships. Yes, it takes time. Yes, you might get it wrong. Yes, somebody might hurt your feelings. Yes, they might move. Yes, they, you might be gone, and they're gone, and so you got to figure out a time, and yada, 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 all that. But I just want to encourage you, don't give up. It matters. You matter. What you have to offer someone matters. What someone has to offer you matters. There's not some magical pool of people that you're going to open a door and fall into. No matter what stage of life you're in, it takes intent, it takes focus, but I just want to say, don't give up. Man, you can come up. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can I just encourage you as brothers in Christ, don't give up on friendship. It might take some reorganizing. It might take some repenting. It might take some restructuring. It might take some healing. It might take some time. But it's worth it. It's worth it. And this church is full of people who want friends and have all of the material for friendship and are just waiting to begin that friendship. And I want to encourage you, go for it. Go for it. And I don't say that because I, I like, get some bonus or something if you all become friends. <laughs> I say that because not only is it a blessing from Christ, but I'm living out that blessing this week, and I have to be honest, without my brothers and sisters in Christ, I just, I don't know what the end of this week looks like. With what we've walked through, I, I really believe it requires, I think I'd be incredibly miserable, frustrated, discouraged, depressed instead of hopeful, joyous, and full of life. And I, I want you to have that. I want you to have that. The reason I'm doing this friendship series is not because I need friends, because I want everyone to have the kind of friends I have. I want you to have good friends who love you. And I know that there's people in this church who have exactly what it takes. I know that you have what it takes to be such a good friend to somebody. But I know it's going to take some intention in our heart. It's going to take some healing. It's going to take some time. So it might not be this week that that perfect friend is birthed out and is developed, but it can begin today. It can begin right now. It's not today necessarily. It might be today. But for you, maybe it's just the, the journey of healing begins today. But it begins today. Scripture says God sets the lonely in families. If you're lonely, let him set you in a family today, a church family, a covenant family that will not leave you or forsake you or abandon you or hurt you. And even if there's trouble and there's disagreements, we'll fight for you. We'll fight to make things right. We'll work together to heal together. And today might be the first step or a next step for you, but I believe that God is calling us to take a step. Maybe some of you, that's a step towards healing. You need to receive prayer. Man, you, you, you have a broken heart. Maybe some of you, that's a step into relationship. 
you've not joined a small group, you're that person that waits until small groups are three weeks in, today, you need to join a small group. You know why they're 12 weeks long? Because if you don't connect with anybody in that small group, you just go to a different small group. But you got to start. Maybe some of you are stepping deeper into your relationship. There's a conviction stirring, and you can't let that kick around because eventually it's just going to bruise your heart. We need to respond to conviction. And so some of you is just responding here today, and before you leave, you have to go to somebody. And not with like a spur of the moment. Often we're trying to make friends. What we try to do is say like, hey, right now, can we like go to Mexico and be best friends? It's like, that's not how this works. Right? It's like, hey, man, can I get your number? I, I just want to be a source of encouragement for you. You don't even need to go to lunch. Just text them this week. Hey, man, what can I pray with you for? What can I believe God in your life for? That's a deeper friendship right away. See how we have a deeper connection as believers? Right away. Hey, man, what do you believe in God for? I want to encourage you. That can begin today. I really don't want you to get through this whole relationship, this whole friendship series, and, and not have some practical things. And next week, we're going to talk very practically about friendship, and I think it's going to encourage you. But today, I feel like these deeper relationships... I feel like a couple things today. First is if you have family hurt and you need healing, I'm going to pray for you. You have some hurt. Maybe it's church family hurt and you need healing. This church seems to attract people who are hurt by church. That could be because everyone who works here was also hurt by church. I don't know what it is. Or could it, it could just be because everyone's hurt by people all the time because we're messy. But if you need healing, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to heal your heart today. Maybe you're lonely. I believe that God today is going to begin to draw you into family, give you boldness to step into relationship. Maybe you want deeper relationships. You've been a surface person, but you want to go deeper in those. I believe that God today is going to give you direction and guidance as you seek Him for discernment. As you pray, Jesus, come do a miracle. We're singing this song. It says, I'm caught up in your presence. I'm in your presence, Jesus, and nothing else will do but you. Can I tell you, if you pray, Jesus, be at the center of my relationships, and you just open it up to what he wants to do, he's going to do a miracle today. Would you stand with me this morning? We're not wasting any time right now. With your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you need Jesus to do a miracle, you need healing in your heart, you're lonely, you need to be brought in, or you need deeper relationships, just lift your hands with me right now. We're going to pray together. Jesus, I thank you right now that you are a good God, that you are a good God. Right now, I pray. Right now, I pray for that person with hurt. If you have hurt in your heart, just lift your hands to the Lord and pray with me. God, I pray a healing by the power of the Holy Spirit on your heart right now, that not by will or not by the, the, the might of man, but by the Holy Spirit, he would begin to heal and restore right now. If you're in this place and you're like, God, I just need, I need relationships. I'm lonely. I feel on the outside. Lift your hands. Let me pray with you right now. Jesus, I pray that you would bring in those who long for relationships, who feel lonely, who feel on the outside. God, and not, maybe even nothing's wrong. It's just a new season and they're feeling detached. God, I pray you would bring relationships. I pray you would give them a boldness. I pray you would help them to see their own giftings and talents. I pray you would begin to unite them with others by the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray as they take that step to sign up for a small group. I pray that group would be so powerful in their life that they would find lifelong brothers and sisters, spiritual friends in the name of Jesus.
And God, I pray this morning for the person longing to go deeper in relationships. If that's you and you're here, you're saying, God, I want to go deeper. I need, I need those deep relationships. I got surface relationships. I want deep relationships. Raise your hands. Let me pray with you this morning. God, I pray for a deepening of relationships. We say, Jesus, you are at the center and we long for you. We pray, come in and do a miracle, make a way, give us discernment. God, who are those people in our life that we can go deeper in relationship with than ever before? Give us discernment, Holy Spirit. Give us wisdom, Holy Spirit, and move through us. And we open our heart to you. Let's just worship the Lord right now and just open our hearts to Jesus and begin to invite him. Wherever you are, begin to pray and just invite him. Jesus, move right now in my heart and my spirit. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.